0: Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And today I'm really excited to have any fine gold. And she is the founder of an incredible food business in Collingwood called the Sweet Potato Kitchen. And I love how local Emmy is because she's so local to the Mint Clinic which is my newly opened holistic clinic with my wonderful business partner Kelly Green. Now her mission is to nourish her community and it began as a personal health journey as she suffered from gut symptoms. She loves beautiful produce and intense flavour and she truly believes that food is medicine. Now, in her family, food always brought them together, and cooking for each other is the ultimate display of love. And I'm sure many of my listeners can really relate to that. Now, she wants to pass on these sentiments to her community and nourish people with food that comes from the heart. That is so beautiful, Emmy, and welcome.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So, Emmy, I would love
0: to dive deeper into your health journey, into really good nourishing food and how you realized food is medicine. And I say that because many health professionals don't actually have that concept that food is so important for our health. And, you know, when you normally go to a GP diet, is not really discussed or it's really briefly discussed with the basic things of sugar and alcohol but it's, you know, going deeper into how do we nourish our bodies and it truly affects how we feel. So I'd love for you to share your story.
1: Sure. Um, I'd love to. I think that just over my lifetime, I'm in my 30s, we've seen such a shift as to what's healthy. You know, I remember when I was at school, um, sugar was fine and fat was demonised, artificial sweeteners, then became okay or better than sugar. And just watching these sort of patterns throughout my life, especially as a woman, you know, with all the body image things that, you know, are ingrained and learned along the way, it's been really interesting to come to a place where I really value low tox, high quality organic produce and you can really see and feel the difference that eating fresh nutrient dense whole foods can actually make to your overall health and vitality
0: absolutely because i see patients every day highly stressed and in years and years of being in that chronic stress response which leads on to so many different health conditions and interestingly you know when you are stressed when you are busy and you, when you've got a long to do list often things on your list, can't take second place. And one of them really is food because for example, you know, when you stress it's natural to sort of say, oh, I just fancy a bit of sugar. Where can I get a chocolate? I'm so stressed, I need a treat at the end of the day. I hear a lot of stories about having, a, you know, a couple of glasses of wine at the end of the day. So alcohol sort of comes in or wow, my kids are finally in bed. I can relax, I've got the evening. I'm just going to pull out some chocolate and, you know, and it's really, really interesting because when you're stressed and when you're busy, it is looking for convenience and food is so quick to make it convenient. For example, now the home deliveries and you're not really thinking what you're eating, how you're nourishing your body. It's almost, okay, I don't need to think about that. It has to be quick. It has to be easy. And of course, it's going to be yummy when you order out for whatever reasons they put in. And we almost, it's almost like a much more emotional journey. What do I need now? I want to feel happy. I want to feel good. And so you just grab what's quick and easy when in actual fact, we're actually not thinking about what we're eating. And you're absolutely right. The whole journey about fat, how it was demonized. And I actually have patients saying, I really need to take some time to actually feel fat is okay because it's been demonized for such a long time. And when I talk about healthy fats and how we actually need fat for brain health and for even fat burning. So it's changing that narrative, isn't it? It's, it's such a long journey because it's almost been programmed into us to believe this is what healthy is.
1: Absolutely. And I heard just on the subject of eating out, someone told me the other day, the average I don't know if it was the average person in Melbourne or in Australia eats up 15 meals a week. (gasps) No way. As a cook or as a home cook, I found that incredibly difficult to believe and then she put it to me like, well, if you imagine, you know, your average tradie and they go in the morning to get their coffee and their egg and bacon roll and that's, you know, already five days a week and then they might go back to that same place and get, whatever for lunch and that's already 10 meals a week and there might be a couple on the weekend maybe you know brunch or whatever and a couple of dinners and that's 15 meals a week and that blew my mind when you put it like that that is
0: absolutely huge because you know we're talking about processed oils It might you not know, it may not be the greatest oils that they cook in we don't know but you know, most likely it's most likely seed oils because it's just cheaper. And then, you know, what quality of meat? And I, you know, I love how you sort of go into more grass-fed, hormone-free, that's so important. So what's the quality of meat? What's the quality of the oil? Any added flavoring that they add to the meals? It's all taken into consideration. And plus, is it a carb-heavy meal rather than a, protein, a good source of protein? And you're absolutely right because it's quick, convenient, I just need to get some food into me. So it's whatever that's available. And so it's so easy to eat out these days.
1: <laughs> yeah, everything everything's at our fingertips. We're incredibly spoiled um, and incredibly lucky and fortunate in Melbourne and in Australia to have that luxury. But as you're saying, it often takes away from that innate thought of what, is going to nourish me now because i'm in a hurry.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So going back to your journey, you mentioned a few gut symptoms that were creeping into your life. How did you go about that? What was what was your journey like?
1: Well, always i had something with my gut for as long as i can remember. I was a pretty anxious child and i always felt my anxiety in my stomach. And from a young age, I was told I had IBS, but I guess there's just so much more research around now. And it was basically, you've got it and that's it. It came and went throughout my life. And in retrospect, I can definitely see in times that I was more stressed, things got worse. When I was about 30, I got a really bout of gastro and my body just stopped working. The inflammation in my system and in my stomach was just so intense that everything I ate was causing me to have reactive symptoms. So I was incredibly bloated, incredibly constipated, and incredibly sore. I didn't sleep and because I was in pain. I'd wake up in pain every morning, and food became the enemy wow yeah there wasn't a way that I could see that food was medicine because it was creating such intense symptoms and yeah causing me pain so it was sort of the you know demonized in my mind and in my life and it was such a shame because I love food and I love cooking in the kitchen was always where I felt most comfortable and most creative. I still was able to be creative in the kitchen because as I eliminated more and more food groups, I had less to work with, but I would still try, you know, to make something that was enjoyable. It was just, yeah, incredibly limited.
0: You've mentioned a couple of really good points. First of all, you know, when you get that diagnosis of irritable bowel, almost a diagnosis of exclusion because nothing else is found absolutely in conventional medicine. It stops there. It really does from perhaps they'll try different types of antidepressant medication, funnily enough, to try and treat it rather than going into more functional, what's happening to the gut lining, what's happening to gut bacteria. And you mentioned a really, really good point, actually, the mind-gut connection. And it's absolutely true. It exists. It's the nervous connection to the gut. And it's called the enteric nervous system, which is actually as the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight response is actually connected to the gut and it's the enteric. And you're absolutely right. So when you suffer from that fight or flight response, which comes about as anxiety, it sends messages to the gut. And I often tell patients it can be happening for years subconsciously because we remember patterns of how we decide to release our stress. There's some people like neck tension, shoulder. I know I carry a lot of tension around neck and shoulders just automatically. And so some might might go to the gut. It can come up as migraines, headaches, comes up in all different types of ways. And so with the gut, it reduces stomach acid, digestive enzymes, it affects the gut movement, but also it can actually affect the gut lining and the gut bacteria. So the term leaky gut, maybe 15, 20 years ago, no one apart from you know naturopaths, but in the medical field, they would actually discount it. But interestingly, more and more gastroenterologists are actually recognizing it as a condition. And it is a condition where the cells on the lining are not tightly connected. And so that's the time you can get quite a few reactions to different food products and have that awful pain, inflammation, just feeling really unwell. So there's so many ways stress can affect the gut. And it's so interesting in your story, you mentioned anxiety for for a while, which kind of, for me, it makes sense how it would have just been affecting the gut over the years.
1: Absolutely. And I actually have a very vivid memory of seeing a gastroenterologist when I was really, really struggling. And I've been doing a lot of reading about leaky gut and I'd spoken to a naturopath about it, and he completely discounted its existence. And it's very confusing when you're um, looking for help. You know, you feel out of control of your health when there are different practitioners telling you different things. Um, obviously, everybody's just trying to do their best with the knowledge that they have at the time. But for me, I just I felt at such a loss for so long until I found you know, practitioners and support along the way that suited suited my health journey and my recovery. And I'm so so glad, like to hear you say that it's becoming more recognized in the medical field. You know it just seemed as I opened up about what I was going through, I just realized how many other people are suffering with these sorts of symptoms. And I just felt so alone when I was going through it. Absolutely.
0: And it's also really disabling just from what you mentioned, you know, not being able to socialise, eating out, and every mealtime you've got almost a bad association with food because it was giving you pain and discomfort. But I'd love to hear, um, Annie, so what kind of food groups did you start introducing that helped heal the gut?
1: Well, Initially, I cut out gluten and dairy and refined sugar, and I also, for a while, cut out grains, but then I was able to tolerate them again. However, the first thing that I introduced was bone broth. I was a vegetarian at the time, and so I was quite reluctant, even though I kept hearing you know, more and more how healing it can be. Also, um, it's, you know, chicken soup is like the ultimate comfort food and something that, you know, has always been in my family. And my sister started making it for me in bowl. And I began um, cooking with it to hide the taste because I had anything that contained meat for about 20 years. Oh, wow. So it was super. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a super strong flavour. I was vegetarian from... 12 till 32 when I started having the bone broth wow um and you know nothing happened overnight but it opened up it opened up something in me I guess to look for other things that I had been so adamant against trying and over time I actually started to crave a little bit of animal protein first it was a little bit of fish which was so confronting just texture wise like I hadn't had anything like that in such a long time and then actually I started to crave a little bit of red meat which I couldn't believe and I think you know my body was just so starved of nutrients. I loved
0: how you mentioned about the sources of protein absolutely and I often have this discussion, literally we are under eating protein. It's those amazing amino acids. And you mentioned something really important, like how it's really important for the, even the gut lining, things like glutamine, but amino acids in general, hence why bone broth is so awesome for the gut lining. And it really supports the healing and amino acids or protein is needed for, you know, your happy chemicals, your serotonin it's needed for your hormones, enzymes. It's And it's sort of a mantra I say to patients, it's your building block of all your chemical reactions. And so you need a good amount of protein. So it's really interesting. But I love how you sort of went from 20 years of being vegetarian to eating red meat, which is phenomenal. You mentioned that you started listening to your body of what it needed. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, I guess being a vegetarian has become so much a part of my identity. You know, and just shifting that was one of the really hard things because I I just identified as as being a vegetarian. So interesting, isn't it? Was it
0: um if you don't mind me asking, was it ethical? Was it mm. just a personal journey or?
1: Well, I was twelve, and I sort of not sort of I found out, you know what really mm. what really happens, and it broke my heart. And I got really I was a child. I got super frightened. Um, and I just didn't want any part of that wow
0: and so you you transitioned was it just purely because it made you feel better or did you sort of research more into it and realize about grass-fed and those kind of
1: initially I was became curious about what I was craving now I was I did decide to listen to that voice and also just flavor wise I hadn't tasted like anything like that And when I was little, I didn't eat really that sort of food, like meat and fish that much. It was a flavour explosion, um, which really excited me. But in my heart, I still identified as a vegetarian. So I did research and I did look into different farming practices and actually went to farmers markets and spoke to farmers about their practices I just started to feel like if I was going to be involved um, in any way in supporting the meat industry, I was going to do it in my way, make sure that what I was consuming was ethically farmed, that the animals were treated right and that no, yeah, that it was organic, that there weren't chemicals involved and I wasn't adding that toxic extra toxins into what I was eating. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. So how long did the journey take you to actually feel better in your gut?
1: Well, um, that was about five years ago and I would say probably it was a good two years of experimenting and having quite intense relapses. I also found fasting during that time such an amazing relief because without Eating, I wasn't experiencing those pains and I had freedom for a short amount of time, which just felt liberating. However, when I would start to reintroduce food, all my symptoms seemed to come back. So, on one hand, I felt grateful that I had that time where I experienced relief, but on the other hand, it served to re demonize a lot of different food in my mind. And so, I'd say. I'm still on a healing journey. However, it doesn't it doesn't take over my life anymore. And able to eat out and enjoy food with friends and loved ones, and cook for people, not feel restricted or different, um, or isolated in that space anymore.
0: Amazing, amazing. Which kind of leads me on to your latest venture, the Sweet Potato Kitchen love to know how you developed this passion for cooking, but I love how you just made it so passionate and you put love into the food and it's organic and it's seasonal. And and it's actually like what you were saying when we previously chatted was it's helping the local community. Did you say many of your clients are busy moms with young children and they want to eat well? So this is something that you're actually helping them in terms of their food prep.
1: Yeah, my customers do range across different demographics, but, yes, a lot of them are busy mums with families. A lot of them actually love cooking, and but, you know, a time for or looking for healthy organic options. And it's been really interesting getting to know some of my customers and talking about food like that. I started the Sweet Potato Kitchen About a year and a half ago, it was a lockdown baby. And I'd started to cook this sort of food again for myself and for my loved ones using really high quality produce, as you mentioned, organic fruit and veg, um, grass and pasture fed um, proteins, and just cooking really seasonally as well. Warming things in winter and fresher things in summer. And I just loved it. And I wanted to share it beyond just my inner circle, I guess. Um, but I had never cooked commercially before. I was, you know, just a home cook. Cooking was always very big in my family and both my grandmothers, just incredible cooks. And so is, so is my mom and my dad every, and my sister. Everyone in Everyone in my family is really, really good with food. During COVID, my sister and I started a food relief program where we would rescue produce that was going to otherwise be thrown out and I would cook it in her commercial kitchen because she has a, a food business as well and we would distribute it to the local community. I'd never been in a commercial kitchen before and I just loved it. It was so much fun. Everything was so big. There were so many... Bowls and spoons and things to play with and cooking on mass was just something that really grabbed me. And that gave me the confidence to want to pursue it as more of a career. A friend of mine also encouraged me during lockdown to start sharing pictures of what I was cooking on Instagram. And before that, I was really shy to share what I was making. But those two things sort of opened me up and drove me to create the Sweet Potato Kitchen.
0: Wow. And you did mention it's inspired by Ottolenghi
1: as well. Yeah, he's my food hero. When I was vegetarian, when I would go out to eat, you'd either be offered, if there were a vegetarian option, it would be mushroom risotto or (laughs) like NA Napoli. Wow. And that's Or you might get a garden salad or some chippies, like that's it. It was so uninspired. And then Ottolenghi came along and he was the man that made vegetables sexy. (laughs) And the photography and the use of all the crunchy added bits on top and all the tahini sauces, all the eggplants and za'atar and dukkha, and like fresh herbs and pomegranate and just everything he did just really spoke to my heart. And... His way of cooking and incorporating flavor and layering textures its just always stuck with me. I would, when he a new book of his would come out, I would just go with like those tiny little post-it notes and a pen and I'd like, wow. like every single page, I'd want to make everything. I'd go to the markets. Like I'd never cooked tarragon before, you know, a lot of his recipes back then had 38 ingredients. Yeah, I just wanted to make everything well wow. um yeah I, I love him very much actually for, I, I just suddenly realized for
0: those listeners who actually don't know who Ottolenghi is can we do a little spiel on Ottolenghi who,
1: who... I'm sure I hope I, I hope I do him justice <laughs> like fangirling over him and then he's an Israeli chef that lives in London he had a stall at Spitalfields Market and or a shop and he would make these epic salads and veggie dishes and not all vegetarian stuff and cakes and um, beautiful offerings and then he's also opened a few restaurants one of them's called Nopi and his head chef there is um, Asian so a lot there were a lot of Asian influences coupled with his Middle Eastern heritage and now he has a test kitchen where it seems like he just um, recruits amazing chefs from everywhere and they just create things. He has, I think it was his newest book that he put out with a girl who has a Mexican-Brazilian background and so along with those Asian and Middle Eastern flavours, there's all like ancho chilies and sort of South American and Central American flavours as well. And he just, how he brings people together and the dishes that they create just seem to bring the most incredible international flavors together in such a beautiful way. And he still, you know, seems to really champion vegetables, which I really love.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've actually got one of his books and you're right. I love how you said you don't mind shopping for those 38 ingredients (laughs) because it can be a bit off-putting. Absolutely love your passion. So, oh, Emmy, really, really enjoyed our conversation. And before we leave you, um, where can people find you?
1: Well, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. You can go to the Sweet Potato Kitchen. There's a link in bio in my bio to my weekly menu. I have a rotating menu that changes each week and it's live from Monday morning, oh, Friday morning to Monday night with all the food ready on Wednesday evening. I offer delivery on Wednesday evening, or people can pick up from Collingwood on Wednesday evening or all day on Thursday
0: fantastic fantastic i'm sure you'll be getting a lot more customers so really really thank i love to thank you emmy for your time excited to try your food actually i'm going to go online and see what's there to offer and thank you so much for your time
1: thank you for having me and i can't wait to cook for you ah yes amazing amazing (laughs) thank you Remember that
0: this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health.
1: Enjoy the journey.